Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from NUH Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing palpitations. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. All guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Okay, hello, welcome back to Take Orally. and delighted to be joined by Dr. Bill Jameson, ED consultant. Thank you for coming, Bill. Uh, thank you for inviting me, JT. Uh, still not on social media? No, no. <laughs> just about worked out spotify absolutely yes. <laughs> um so this is the first in a series of podcasts we're going to be doing to that are on uh, arrhythmias and uh we thought in this episode we'd start off by looking at uh the well patient who's come in with a normal ecg but complaining of palpitations yes yeah um so i suppose the first question there is um bill what are palpitations um I mean, I, what do I understand by palpitations? I suppose it's what somebody will describe as a kind of fluttering sensation. The, it's the awareness of the beating heart that's going too fast and worries them. Um, so it's important to recognise then that the patients may not be giving us the words that we want. They may describe other things. So I've had you know, older patients saying that they felt giddy, for example, mm-hmm. uh, lightheadedness, shortness of breath, uh, which is why an ECG is so important in those conditions, because they, they may not present as, as classically as, as we think. Yeah, I think an ECG is very important, um, but the most important, I think, is actually taking a very good history and then examining the patient and then thinking more about what investigations we require, because not all of these patients actually need investigations depending on how we mm. um, interpret the history. Yeah, so you've got a, a patient, you're seeing them in, in ED, and they've been booked in as, as query palpitations, and you're, you're just about to start to see them. What's going through your head? What, are you, what, what approach are you going to have? Um, I think that because the patient's arrived and they're well, then and most of these cases are going to be absolutely harmless, mm. um, <coughs> even if they have an underlying arrhythmia, that that has happened and they're well. So initially, my, my approach will always be to try and reassure them because often they're incredibly anxious. Um, and sometimes they might be even a bit confused because they might think that the... Was it the anxiety that caused the palpitations yeah. or was it actually the anxiety that occurred because they got palpitations? So they themselves can be rather scared and worried about this um so the first step is reassurance and then i want to take a history um the important things is to actually get the patient to describe what they felt sometimes you can get a good description sometimes you can get them to tap it out for you tell you what it actually was um I want to know how long it lasted for does it last for seconds did it last for days um what was the onset like? So did it come on immediately, suddenly? Mm. Did it stop suddenly? Or did it go, was it a gradual onset and then a gradual decrease? Um, things that start suddenly and stop suddenly make you think of things like an SVT or a VT. Mm. Um, whereas something that sort of slows down steadily, you think more of a sinus tachycardia. Um, all of these questions just give you... Um, a start and a sort of way of thinking about the arrhythmia and what it might be that's going on. Um, you can start asking questions around past medical history, drugs that the patient's on, because you always need to be thinking about actual causes. Um, because the causes can be huge, there's actually not that many that are truly cardiac. So um, you've got lifestyle. So 
what's the patient up to? Have they been, were they taking drugs? Have they been drinking? Um, do they drink lots of caffeine? Do they take loads of alcohol? Um, do they smoke? Um, is there anything that's going on in their life emotionally at the moment? Are they under a lot of stress, um, anxiety? Um, what medications are they on? So do they take asthma medication? Have they just started a new medication like an antihistamine or something? Or have they been on a course of clarithromycin from mm. their GP for a, a chest infection? Um, so things like asthma medication, antidepressants, antihistamines, antibiotics, they all cause um, arrhythmias um, or the feeling of palpitations. Uh, could there be um, a hormonal cause for it? So... So somebody who's pregnant, they say that pregnant women are more prone to arrhythmias. Um, is this a postmenopausal woman? Um, is this somebody having a period? Um, are there other causes such as thyroid symptoms? So you want to be specifically when they're talking about it, asking them about thyroid symptoms. Could they have been hungry? Could this be a low BM? Mm. Um, could they be dehydrated mm -hmm. could this just be masquerading low blood pressure and syncopal symptoms of a GI bleed or sepsis um, you, you, your approach has to be really open to find out what the actual cause for this could be mm. um, and of course you eventually get through to the heart of which there could be lots of causes underlying that so there could be mitral valve disease there could be cardiomyopathy they could have a congenital heart problem so you always need to be thinking about family history has anyone in the family got any problems mm. um, do they have any heart failure uh, and just take a very systematic approach to that history okay so that's an awful lot of causes it's yeah a huge number of causes which hopefully um, by just asking a few questions you'll mm narrow it down slightly maybe but it just shows you that there can be a lot of causes for something which uh can be very very upsetting for a patient yeah so um an awful lot there in the history and I'm, I'm very worried that one day a doctor will tell me that i need to cut down on my caffeine intake um because of palpitations or something um but i suppose we've asked that long thorough history we're thinking about the causes what sort of what are the red flags, things that you're listening for that are going to jump out at you and, and make you think there could be something more sinister going on? I think the, <coughs> I mean, the initial red flags, um, the, the very worrying symptoms are any arrhythmia that uh, has got chest pain with it. Um, if the patient describes collapsing, loss of consciousness, true syncope or pre-syncopal symptoms, um, or if the arrhythmia is associated with shortness of breath or they've got ongoing shortness of breath, um, or they feel very dizzy when the arrhythmia is there. I mean, this is a well patient now, but mm. if they describe sort of not being able to walk about and feeling incredibly dizzy or lethargic or tired, it, it, it adds weight to the concern that this could be a cardiac cause. Okay. And you also mentioned earlier about family history, so any siblings or you know close relatives Absolutely. collapsing, yeah. unexplained deaths, etc. Yeah. So yes, you have <clears throat> deaths in childhood or any anything at all that you've been told as a this happened in a child when you know my my great grandfather had this. Actually, that can be quite concerning. So any family history of any heart problems is important. Mm. Um, and I suppose uh, is is there a particular age group that you're more thinking? So are younger people more likely to therefore present with something congenital, and, and older people potentially something more likely to be valve disease? Is those sort of things going through your head as well? They are, but I think that you 
you you need to walk away from that and actually just think this all of these things can present at all ages yes they are more common at other ages but that doesn't mean that you haven't got this problem at the age of 22 mm. um so all these patients that we're talking about now are relatively well and they've recovered from their arrhythmia so a lot of the things that we're looking for you may not by just looking at them and talking to them be aware that they've got them so after your examination after your history sorry you you need to do a thorough examination um, and again it's a little bit like the red flags in the history you need to be looking to see if they've got any um, well feeling their pulse do they actually have an irregular pulse after all of this and them saying that they're fine it might be that their pulse is irregular um, when you examine them for their apex beat for example you may find that it's displaced and they've got evidence of cardiomegaly um, they've got signs of heart failure when you listen to their chest when you examine their peripheral um, for peripheral edema um, you might hear a murmur um, and all of these things again are red flags to oh this could be a cardiac cause and um, you mentioned earlier about uh, thyroid potentially being a problem as well so if you're examining what what thyroid signs are there well it's interesting with the thyroid because actually the patients um, could often come in because of severe anxiety or um, people have noticed a personality change or something Um, they've had weight loss or tremor often these can be picked up by Another group of doctors, for example, psychiatry, seeing the fact that the patient's got a tachycardia on their ECG. And uh, do you think this all these symptoms could be related to a thyroid problem? So um, make sure that you check and examine for a tremor, for weight loss. You ask the right questions about heat intolerance, constipation, diarrhea, mm. uh, family history, new medications, lots of things. You know, mm. Thyroid I think you can probably, uh, our listeners can probably go away and uh, look that one up themselves because we could do an entire podcast on that. We could do, couldn't we? I suppose it's also worth remembering that um, your patient who's been on a trolley for a few hours waiting to see you may be asymptomatic, whereas their symptoms may previously have been brought on by exertion. But having had a time to sit there and be quite happy, they may well end up feeling fine. I think the same thing with my patients who've got shortness of breath, for example. Yes, yeah. Um, so again, I think the longer you spend in the emergency department feeling well, the, <laughs> the more you want to leave. Um, yeah. So again, getting the patients up and checking their blood pressure and postural blood pressures um, and walking them about maybe just to see if they get the symptoms returning. Um, so we've, we've obviously we've, we've got our ECG and we're, we're, so far we're, we're, we're happy with that. Um, we've examined our patient. What other investigations would you be wanting to get, Bill? So I think depending on the cause, really, so some of these patients, you probably don't need to investigate them because you don't want to, if you know what the cause is and you are happy that it is not a heart cause, it's not an arrhythmia, um, then for these patients, actual reassurance is probably the best thing, whereas you can feed the anxiety about it by actually doing more and more investigations, bringing them back to be followed up. So... The investigations need to be tailored to that patient and that patient's presentation. So the investigations could be from absolutely none to maybe a chest x-ray if you feel that's needed. Maybe they've got evidence of infection. Um, You obviously need to do an ECG. I think all of these patients, Mm. I did say none, but I think that's assuming that we have actually done an ECG. Mm. Um, 
a full set of bloods um, with some thought behind them, checking on electrolytes to make sure that there isn't an electrolyte cause. Again, basing your the past medical history, the presentation on what tests might you require. Um, thyroid function tests, we're very lucky today that we can get these tests back quite rapidly. Um, and other investigations, again, guided by the management. Um, it may be that they need OGDs, it may be that they need a CTPA. Um, again, your history will guide what the patients actually need. But for those patients who are well and ready for discharge, um, the bare minimum, I think, is an ECG carefully looked at. Mm. And can we just touch on at this point the sort of things you are looking at when you're looking for when we've got that ECG? We'll, we'll do episodes later on where we're actually looking at specific problems, but what, what's a good general approach when you've got the ECG in front of you? So I don't know if you've done a podcast before, but um, something I learned from something that you put up in the department was um, uh, how to look at the ECG in syncope. Um, and a good mnemonic for that is wobbler. Um, I think I like it because it looks at the ECG using the QRS, the PQRST, um, and follows a sort of progression of the problem so that you can logically look through your ECG. So you look at it and you think, right, that looks normal to me, um, but I just need to check that I'm actually making sure that there's no evidence of any wolf Parkinson white. So looking at the P wave and the PR interval, uh, looking for delta waves. Um, O stands for obstructed. So is there a problem with the AV node? So is there a prolongation of the P wave, the PR interval? Um, the first B's for bifascicular block um, and then Brigada always good to google these so you get some <laughs> examples um, life in the fast lane very good absolutely left ventricular hypertrophy for the L and then E for epsilon wave and then you've got your repolarization abnormalities so think about your sudden death in young adults mm. uh, long QT and also short QT uh, so that's great and I hope that um, there'll be some links to that um, afterwards there will be we'll put some links on the blog yeah for the entry for this episode so that's our approach for that for the ecg remembering wobbler and if our other tests are all coming back fine and, and we're feeling happy the patient feels well and they're, they're reassured um you know obviously we're in a and e there's a limit to what we can do so with as we're discharging our patients what sort of um what can we do moving from a and e back out uh, to the community well, I think the, the most important thing is always reassurance. You reassure the patient that this happened, it went away, and they got better, and nothing untoward actually happened to them. So reassure the patient. We then got options in terms of investigation. I think if we think that there is an underlying cardiac abnormality, then an echocardiogram is a possibility. Um, we then have options of... Do we follow up with the GP? Do we reassure with no follow-up? Do we follow up with the GP? Or do we arrange arrhythmia clinic follow-up? Um, I think you'd have to be guided by local um, guidance. Um, the patients that I would investigate further are those whose initial history and examination suggests an arrhythmogenic cause, whether they've got you know, syncope, pre-syncope, or they've got a high-risk patient with underlying sort of heart problems, heart disease already, heart murmurs, long QT, uh, sudden death in the family. Um, they're easy patients. You think, well, I'm going to reassure them, but they're going to be followed up in arrhythmia clinic. Um, 
the options for actually arranging investigations, you've got your halter recorder, which is your 24-hour tape, useful for patients that get the symptoms every day, but useless if you had them once every other month. Um, the other option you've got is your loop recorder, which um, that's the, the monitor that goes on and you uh, record a, a small amount in a loop. And when you actually get an arrhythmia, you press a button and then that records that little bit and then that can be downloaded and interrogated. Um, the other option, um, if nothing's catching it, is actually having an implanted recorder, which can stay there for two to three years, actually looking for the arrhythmias. Um, so back to who to refer, I think patients who've got no underlying heart disease and the arrhythmia was unsustained, there was no syncope, then your options with those are to either refer them or to reassure them. Mm. And referral means either to arrhythmia clinic or tell them to go back to their GP. Um, or to just say, I, I'm, I think you're fine and hopefully this won't happen again, in which case, if it does, you might see them again. Um, I think the patients that need to come in for uh, definite ambulatory monitoring are those with heart disease and who have an unsustained um, arrhythmia. Um, those people who have a sustained arrhythmia that they don't tolerate very well um, probably need extensive investigation with electrophysiological studies to see what the underlying problem actually is. So I think from my point of view, as the person referring, I want to send well patients with unsustained ones that I don't think have got heart problems home with reassurance, and those with multiple episodes who are well to arrhythmia clinic, um, and definitely those with underlying heart problems will be going to arrhythmia clinic. Um, I hope that all makes sense. So as we said, this is the um, first episode in our series on um, arrhythmias. We've got coming up episodes on tachycardia and bradycardia as well. Yeah. Uh, with uh, patients with uh, obviously abnormal ECGs. Um, anything else you just need to talk about of the normal ECG so far? Or have we covered it? I think we've covered it. I think if I think of anything else, we'll probably have to bring it in at the beginning of tachycardia. But uh, hopefully we can uh, go through that next time following the uh, ALS algorithms and looking at sort of further management in the emergency department for patients when they present with these problems. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Bill. Oh, thank you for having me. That was the Take Orally Palpitations podcast. You can find uh, the blog entry for this podcast, including all the links that we mentioned at takeorally.com. Um, don't forget, you can also find Take Orally on both SoundCloud and iTunes, where you can subscribe. Take Orally and uh, both NUH Dream are also on Facebook and Twitter.